Hello. And Connor Mahood. Aloha. And t- today we are going to be talking about a Blade Runner 2049. Finally, we're getting around to doing this. We've been talking about doing this for I don't know how long now, and it just it, it had to happen. And I, th- I suppose part of the delay is the I don't understand the European uh, Blu-ray uh, <laughs> yeah. release delay between. Yeah, it's yeah, like a full month, pretty- right? It was a long time. Yeah, yeah it was a long wait. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't, it seemed a little, I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like if you can get a video game out, out the door the same day worldwide, like, w- really a movie? I mean, come on, guys, really? I mean, oh, well, anyway. But, yeah, so that's uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, to kind of kick us off, we're going to talk about how I, or how we felt about the original Blade Runner, what sort of brought us into the series, and I don't know, just something along those lines, sort of like we did with the The Last Jedi uh, podcast. So yeah. to kick us off, uh, Connor, why don't you give us your thoughts on the original Blade Runner, kind of like how you felt about it, what it means to you today, and like then, basically. Sure. I I saw Blade Runner first when I was about 18, mm-hmm. and um, I thought it was kind of boring, um, but good, but boring. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like 20 and I was working in a bookstore and there was a book called uh, Future Noir. And I picked it up just because it was called Future Noir. I was like, what's that? It sounds cool. And it was about the making of Blade Runner. It's by a guy called Paul M. Salmon. Okay. And I started reading it and it was so good that I read It's a big book and I read it cover to cover. I loved it so much. I read it cover to cover. And then I went and watched Blade Runner again. And then I've been, you know, it's been one of my top five movies since then. I, I sort of watch it every year or two. Um but yeah, so my first reaction to Blade Runner was that it was a little bit slow. And then later, the slowness is part of a huge part of what I love about it. And yeah, it's one of my favorite things. And a lot of things that I really like, I can't help but kind of measure them against Blade Runner. Um, even something like uh, one of my another one of my absolute favorite movies is the, the Fifth Element. And I love the, the way the Fifth Element almost feels like a like an optimistic, like daylight um, uh, version um, of some of the some of the looks of things in Blade Runner, you know, it feels like it's a response to Blade Runner in a way, even though it's you know influenced by all this other stuff like French comics and stuff. But yeah, so Blade Runner is a, has been a big thing in my life. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan. Cool, John. Uh, I had a very similar experience the first time watching Blade Runner as Connor did. Uh, it just took me about four or five more watches to turn around on it. it, it and I never like thought I disliked the movie. I just couldn't decide if I liked it or not. It's yeah. there, there, and it's. I'm still I, at this point. I say I do like the movie. I think it's good, but it, it's saved for a few a few major issues I have with it. I don't think Deckard's a very good character in the in this Blade Runner in the first one. Um, I wish that they had followed Roy Batty and crew along more. I thought they were a more interesting part of the story than uh, Deckard's investigation, which really wasn't much of an investigation since she knew where it was going the entire time, which always always felt weird to me. Also, the love story is one of the worst in any any uh, classic movie I can think of. Uh, it's very it's not not very satisfying. Of course, not, not even the the weird sexual assault scene aside, like it just doesn't it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the direction of it. I love it. I mean, it's inspired a lot of things that I've liked. I've talked about off air about how much I like Cowboy Bebop. It's very inspired by Blade Runner. And uh, so, yeah, I do think the first one's good. I just think it's very, it's flawed. Um, that's all I got, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I had this weird, like, I guess, three step process with this movie. Um, where I saw it as a kid and I just thought it was kind of picky, just like aesthetically, just a cool sci fi. Uh, movie like I just kind of dug dug what was going on there even though it wasn't it was an incredibly small amount of action like I kind of dug it more for the action stuff like I, th- I thought like the fights were pretty well choreographed and I just like enjoyed the like the, the really like 
heavy feeling of Deckard's gun. I do love yeah. I do love that. Uh, I I've never I don't think I've ever thought of Blade Runner as an action movie. Like there's not. Like, well, I saw yeah. this as a child, so yeah, it was an I'm, action movie to yeah. me. So. Even like teenage me didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I, talking single digits, so that's yeah. why. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll forgive somebody who's, I don't know, seven years old who sees this and thinks it's cool <laughs> as an action movie. So, um, um, Jason, uh, I will decide who I will forgive and who I will not forgive. No, 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 but no. Go I'm gonna, this is my podcast and I'll tell you who to forgive. Yeah, okay. Actually, that's reasonable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know about reasonable. It seems more of a very yeah. Garnet Lee-ish. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's uh, – and then like more in my teenage years, I sort of like kind of dug it more just for like – what I felt it was bringing or what it sort of like headed up as far as um, like the sci-fi genre in general um, didn't really, it sort of was sort of bouncing off of me more as I got older. And I sort of felt um, how to put, I didn't, I wasn't as keen on it as I was as a child, but I'm kind of more keen on it now as I've gotten older and I appreciate it more for not only what it did, but just it's, sort of like different direction of storytelling trying to be noir and like sci-fi at the same time seemed a little tough and sometimes you i don't know you can be forgiven for almost forgetting this movie is a sci-fi movie to begin with like it does if you would put this thing in black and white i i think you could almost pass it off as like a like a 40s noir movie to a degree yeah and that's kind of what yeah. i've appreciated about it, it it's yeah it's it's influenced a lot as it's you know as it's gotten older I, we you know we you john you mentioned that off air where <laughs> cowboy bebop was heavily influenced by uh by Blade Runner and I mean so much sci-fi has been influenced by Blade Runner um just that kind of dirty sci-fi feeling where I feel like Star Wars kind of did it to a point but it's still there was a lot of parts of it that felt pretty like sterile and clean um and it's not like we're you know Star Trek as far as I guess storytelling and just character development is better um but it always has that you know squeaky clean future feel where mm -hmm. Blade Runner just felt like I don't know. It just felt lived in, and that's what I appreciated about it the most. I think it was just how lived in the world itself felt, and that's sort of what has kept me coming back to it every every couple of years just to check it out, just as a reminder of like why I like this and why I feel it was so influential in a genre I, I, I adore. So Yeah, it has one of the best sci-fi worlds, even though it seems like a place yeah. I wouldn't want to live in. It's just like it's it's just so well realized the entire time. And, yeah. it, I mean, even after things have taken – aped it like to a t like this i watched altered carbon a little bit on netflix recently that's literally just blade runner is the entire world it's really annoying in a way just how blatantly blade runner it is but yeah even 40 years 30 40 years later how long has it been uh it's still being copied it's coming up on 40 yeah yeah it's closer yeah. to 40 than 30 at this point so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so like i think i think that um what you're saying about how it's influenced all or a lot of sci-fi i think yeah i think once a movie becomes um, important enough in kind of the firmament, then everything has to either be influenced by it or or be a response to it or something. It, it's like it can't be ignored. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. they have to at least have thought about Blade Runner while they were making X, Y or Z. So like for me, there's a couple of things about Blade Runner. One, I love that it was shot on the same back lot as a lot of the old noir movies. Like it's like the old New York set. Oh, okay. um, so actually like, you know, Humphrey Bogart, um, walk down the same streets, the, uh, the same studio backlot streets, um, doing very similar stuff. Um, and I also love that it was shot with available light. Um, they didn't use traditional, um, like movie lighting for Blade Runner. The movie is absolutely full of neon and they use that neon and other, the other light sources that are on the screen mm -hmm. are where the light is coming from. Everything that all the light that's in the camera 
has just come from what is on screen, which is crazy difficult yeah, to do. That, that's fantastic. And it's, it's an amazing achievement in Blade yeah. Runner that it works so well. Yeah, like... Oh, the light, just the lighting in general, that whole in, in Blade Runner, it's fantastic. gorgeous. It's yeah. so good. Like I, I've always thought of Ridley Scott as like one of his things is like he's um, he's actually like a real master of light. Oh yeah, he loves his fucking vent and fan light shots too. And I sure. and I I'm right there with him. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. just like oscillating fan um, put uh, with light in between it. Love it. <laughs> can't can't yeah. get enough. It's a really little minor thing that I love. Every and all in his uh, like Alien. Yeah, yeah. Blade Runner big time in both those movies so um i don't want to stay i don't want to keep us too long on blade runner but if i can just say one more thing in about deckard as a character i totally understand because my reaction first was that i didn't really like him and i thought that he wasn't really doing enough and i i didn't i didn't think he was a great now i'm glued to the screen whenever deckard's on the screen that one shot where he takes a drink of whiskey and a little bit of blood comes from his mouth back into the the uh, whiskey mm-hmm. glass i think is like yeah. one of the is one of the coolest shots ever you know captured on film but I think that Deckard is like kind of an existential hero and he's grappling with all this kind of existential despair, which I think once, I don't know, once I get on board with that and that's the sort of feeling I have while I'm watching that character, I'm quite fascinated. But I do understand how as a, like as a detective story, you know, he's not doing a lot of the stuff that a, a detective should be doing in a detective story or he's not doing it the same way anyway. Yeah, I mean, there is obviously the cool scene or the, the 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 enhanced scene when you check out the crime scene on that computer. It's a great that's the a, Esper. That's a, that's, love yeah, that machine. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a great thing. Uh, I don't even know if I'd ever if I consider my hero in a story in the story at all. Honestly, um, he's I feel like I feel like he's just kind of another player in the story. If uh, it that's how I've always, I've always seen it. I don't know. I don't. He just never he never clicked with me in the first Blade Runner. Uh, as I think a, that. As, as a protagonist, as yeah. a protagonist, I guess. I think he has an arc, you know, I didn't think he's very heroic when we first meet him. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think sure. he becomes heroic by the end. And, um, I like that as a, as an arc, but yeah, he's not like, he's not a particularly, and actually in the book, he's a lot more compassionate in the book. Um, and he's a lot kinder, but I think he's, you know, he's kind of an asshole and he's, he's kind of hardened. Um, but his, some of the calcification around his heart sort of cracks as yeah. the movie goes on so there we go okay i've, I've <laughs> rabbited on about the original blade runner long enough all right no no i i i think giving context for this thing is sort of necessitated um although it's weird that like blade runner 2049 it, it's completely standalone i don't think you have to have any sort of familiarity with the first one to really enjoy this movie um where like you know, so many other sequels depend on your knowledge of that. But I think having, you know, like we've talked about, or like we mentioned nearly 40 years between the two, you sort of have to just, you can't just assume somebody just saw this. This isn't something that came out, you know, the summer before last. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not relying on like really specific memory of all the plot points of the original. Um, I think it does a really good job of like, a, of sort of summoning up some of the feelings of the original without expecting you to remember every moment of it. Right. Yeah. I do think having knowledge of the first one makes it better, but yeah, I totally yeah. agree that, uh, you can, you can go into this. Um, even if you don't like the first one, I think you can go into this one and still find things to enjoy. It's it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, it's sort of a pretty not standard bog thing at this point, but, um, there's so much that, you know, maybe the original thing or thing, isn't as good as you'd want it to be, but adding or, you know, watching to it will add to the experience of the second one. Um, I kind of, 
just sort of, you know, getting back to the anime thing, like, I, tangentially, I sort of felt like that with, uh, like, the original Record of Lotus War OVA, and then going into, and I forget what the, like, the 26-episode the series was called, is like, something night or something, but whatever. Um, having that first one, it really added to it. It just, watching that first one didn't do so much for me, even though it's kind of considered, like, a classic at this point, I suppose. I don't know. But, I mean, that thing's probably getting on 20-something years by itself now, so by closer to 30 now that I think about it, but... Yeah, I, I, I just think that's sort of like standard fare at this point where you don't need to have watched something to get enjoyment out of it. I mean, you can kind of dip right into any, uh, you know, Fast and the Furious movie and kind of get the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, I saw Terminator 2 before I saw Terminator 1 as a child. Yeah, so, same here. Yeah, and one's way more kid-friendly than the other, uh, even, though yeah. they're both, even though they're both very rated R. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was a movie that I probably shouldn't have seen as young as I did. Just, we God, yeah. I, <laughs> I got a little, yeah, I was a little chicken shit as a child in that, uh, oh man, that, uh, that was not a, uh, that was not a good movie to like, you know, give to, or have, uh, have a child who had frequent nightmares, uh, consume at, uh, you know, in single digits. So it was like, yeah, okay, God, it's yeah. scary. But anyway, um, and you so, live next door to that robot factory, which, didn't oh, well that didn't, oh. yeah, clearly that didn't yeah. help anything. You know, I'd sit yeah. there in the middle of the night and I'd be like. I wish that metal would be, not be so loud. I wish they would learn yeah. to piece together that stuff a little bit more quietly. I mean, you know, sound dampening isn't what it is today. So it was like, yeah, yeah. you know. It's impressive they had a robot factory back in the, back in those, in the 90s, like, honestly, you know, in, in, in New Mexico. So, yeah. yeah. It was oh. a big hub of robot factories, actually. It shows what you know, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, New Mexico, New Mexico at that point, uh, the land, yeah, the land I mean, was cheap and the labor was cheap. I, so that's kind of what you I'm did. Level. I'm a millennial. I don't pay attention to things in the past. So, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be sure to check out our uh, game club on the, on the uh, 20 some or on the 20 year old, uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I, that I adore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to Blade Runner 2049. Um, John, you were the biggest, like, salesman of this movie that I had kind of encountered, sort of like I am the way for uh, tactics ogre. So why don't you go ahead and, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, just, just I don't want to say take it away, but take it away with this movie here because I mean, this yeah. was a big, this was a big thing for you, and you got me to go to a theater by myself. Uh, and I'm a guy who goes to see a movie in the theater by or with his mom maybe once or twice a year, and this was like my fourth movie I saw in the theater that year. So, yeah, I saw the movie in theaters uh, and walked out of it, and immediately had to go had to see it again. Like, oh, yeah. and and it's I thought theater. to myself, actually. I'm going to go to sleep first <laughs> and then I'm going to decide. <laughs> and then I woke up and immediately was thinking about the movie again. And I saw it a week later in theaters, second time eventually. So yeah, I really like this movie. <laughs> I, uh, I've seen, I've now seen it three times. Um, it just, it's hard for me to put my finger quite on what separates this one from the first one for me. Even just the, like, the more, of course, the large modern budget uh, allows for building the world even more than the first one could possibly ever could have. But um, I don't know. I think it, it might be Kay, honestly, that does it for me, even though he's like a very non-emotive character to, uh, by design. I, I will defend that. Uh, it's he just works for me in a way that Decker never did. I feel like. I, I feel like Kay is actually a protagonist, and his arc is more satisfying. It's very similar similar to Decker's arc, um, but he's a more sympathetic character. I find the replicant characters in the Blade Runner world in general more interesting than the human characters, because they actually have they're they have this they're dealing with the, the struggles. So, 
yeah, it it kind of felt like making Roy Batty the main character to me. Yeah. Is what so. Yeah. And that's I think that's in the end that's what the the glue that holds it all together for me. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things like joy uh, and love, both characters. Uh, I am in love with for different reasons. Um, yeah. And I and then of course. This movie is gorgeous. Yeah, it is beautifully shot. Like, and I, I feel just... I feel bad for people that aren't going to get to see it in theaters because it does lose a little bit on 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 a TV screen. No matter even even having a large TV screen, I think it loses a bit. Oh no um, no no! You just sit on the floor, uh, crane yeah. your, crane your neck up at about uh, <laughs> yeah. you know a foot yeah. away from it, and it's about the same experience. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. It's. There's so many things I want to talk about, but I feel like we can get we, we'll get to it more naturally. I don't want to just, but yeah, it's kind of just my quick feelings on what I like about that movie. Um, what do you guys think about Kay as a character? He's he is he is the crux. Of, he, he is the I, crux of this fucking movie. So I I absolutely yeah. adore Kay. Um, he's yeah, he's just like so I. Uh, if you've had the misfortune to hear the movie podcast that I do with Luke, oh, um, stop it. Uh, I talk, <laughs> Luke is very good on that podcast. I won't have you besmirch his name. <laughs> yeah. You're right. He is actually pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, I talk all the time about this thing that I have with movies and TV and stuff where I feel like every story just for me as the viewer or the reader or whatever, um, every story is a series of turns or decisions. And if it continues to make all the right decisions or all the right turns, it can keep me right to the end. But a lot of the time I'll, you know, I'll fall off halfway through or, or two thirds of the way through because a, a decision just doesn't feel right or, yeah. or a, a, a direction they took with a character or whatever. And Kay was like every, every tiny decision, every little micro turn for that character in this movie was perfect for me. I loved it. I loved what they did with him. Um, I loved how he behaved. I loved how he was, uh, performed by Ryan Gosling. And I also think, I love what you said about how he's like, um, ostensibly kind of not emotive, but actually he is the emotional core of the movie, which yeah. is, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think Kay is a, a fantastic, um, protagonist and yes, it is like the luxury of finally getting to see a whole movie about Roy Batty. Yeah. And his like emotional arc, like his literally, his literal emotional arc in the movie is like the fact that he's so non-emotive for most of it makes the, the jolts of emotion he has when, when things finally, he finally just like snaps at times even oh, more, so even more effective. Like there's, it's so good. there's this, the scene when he finds out a, a, a big secret, which we, again, we can talk about in a second, but uh, when he thinks he finds something out uh, is just, it may, I feel it every time it happens. Every time yeah. he, he, he screams like at that, in that scene, Oh my God, it's just like, uh, Ryan Gosling fucking kills it. I, I will, I will say that he deserved more. He deserves more credit, people, that he gets for this. I know he's doing the Ryan Gosling thing. He's doing the drive thing too, but he, it worked. Yeah, yeah. That, that's perfectly. Also, right I don't, I don't give a fuck. And yeah. I, I'm so. Uh, I find that that particular type of criticism of an actor so incredibly fucking banal, because like Errol Flynn did an Errol Flynn thing all the time. Cary Grant did a Cary Grant thing yes, all the time. Yes. And the reason, by the way, that they did this was because nobody else could do that specific thing right. the you way they did it. Right, you hire an actor not just because, like, oh, well, let's, put, you know, like, I guess you can do this. It's more of a, you're a good fit for this character, and what you bring will add to this character. So that's that's what I feel like they did, They or that was the best decision they did with this, was putting yeah. Gosling in I, here, so. I, I also, I don't know, I just feel like, 
um, Usain Bolt does an Usain Bolt thing when he's running. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yes. That's not a fucking problem. I don't want him to run like Dustin Hoffman. You know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't have to run a different way to show oh, that, that might be the my, that might be my favorite fucking analogy ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Holy Dustin Hoffman, shit, for the record, a very good runner. Uh, he's really he runs really well in the marathon, man. But you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, with you. absolutely. What do you think of K, Jason? Um, uh, yeah, I, I I feel the same way. I love the arc he went through where. Um, you know, like I said, well, like you said, we'll dig into this a little bit more here in a minute, but like just the arc he went through of realization of what he is and then what he isn't, I suppose. Yes. Um, oh man. Just it's... my favorite thing about this movie. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And the, just from a sound design thing too. I mean, you know, this is sort of my, uh, my, my, my thing with, uh, you know, movies and video games in general is just like what they do with the sound, um, outside of it being maybe just a hair too loud at times. I, I felt like maybe they could have toned down the mix just a hair, but um, um, like the very subtle additions of like some of the original or some of the music from the original Blade Runner, I, yeah. I really felt was Gorgeous. Just, just incredibly well done. Um, yeah. And as a guy who's not a particular fan of the soundtrack of the original Blade Runner, um, I am. What they what I felt they did was very good to add to the add to the more um i guess orchestral um it was, it was a Hans Zimmer that did this one yes Hans yeah. Zimmer yeah. it was going to be i forget who originally was going to do it but yeah Hans Zimmer uh, came in and finished it i believe i i so. think he completely nailed the soundtrack i i absolutely adore it's an incredible it. job yeah like and it's cuz the movie is so minimal in a lot of ways even though it's so huge uh like in the soundtrack is a really good example of that and like at times there's like no there's like no music whatsoever almost and then like when the just the the timing of like even the like the simple use of bass in the timing of that at times is just mm-hmm. fantastic just uh uh during like the walk to vegas uh walk through vegas is incredible so, just sound design wise because it's like there's no dialogue whatsoever it's all built around sound and the track and long shots but uh it's yeah, I hundred percent the soundtrack. Other than other than in the theater for sure, it's it's a little much uh, at times, uh, and especially if the theater didn't have a particularly good sound system. But uh, yeah, um, a a point on the the sort of recurring themes from the the old movie in in terms of music is like you know it's like a. Uh, they say that your sense of smell um, is is the is the biggest key, but also music is like a huge key to the power of memory, to the power of recall. Mm-hmm. And I think like both movies are obviously, you know, one of the main themes of Blade Runner is memory, you know, versus live experience or like um, what, what memory means and, you know, what how memory shapes you. Um, and I think that it's a lovely like kind of play on that theme by having those musical themes come up because they feel like that that sort of, you know, um, the way they stimulate your memory feels like very in theme of that universe. So, OK, so I want to talk about um it's t- totally switch, totally switching gears here. Um, I'll talk, I'll talk about joy. Um, I am a big fan of the relationship between joy and K in this movie because it is incredibly open to interpretation by the end of how you view a, his, his, uh, his love with this, uh, t- this AI, um, uh, wonderfully performed by Anna de Armas. I, and I've never seen her in th- anything before. So, uh, and I guess she was in, the uh the jonah hill comedy i forget it's like but they're selling guns anyway i didn't see that uh 
same. But uh, she is an AI uh, that Kay owns, and she is essentially his wife. Uh, it's her programming. And throughout the movie, she come she comes across as incredibly real. Even though, even when they use, use uh, instances to remind you that she's AI, like when he gets a phone call during a uh, a romantic uh, moment on the roof, uh, and also they do a lot of cool things visually with, with her too, just uh, how she appear just appears in behind him and like goes through his body to see what he's doing, and also the sex scene uh, with the uh, prostitute. I guess she's a prostitute. Sex I'm assuming. Cool. I'm assuming, okay, is sex the, worker. Except yes. vernacular these days. Yes, sex worker. Uh, but a lot of it, what I what I like about it is like the interpretation part of it is that um, throughout, also you're reminded in just the world itself that Joy is a AI and they're all called Joy when they when they're purchased. Mm-hmm. And so you're. It's the question in the end is, and it's a big like choice is also a big theme, and there's just like a lot of um, uh, cyberpunk stuff involving androids and or uh, replicants or anything of the sort. Uh, the power of choice is a big thing because that's what makes yeah. us human. And it's kind of like I always I interpret it as in the end that Kay does not care and that his joy was his was his and that she really did care about him. I have yeah. had I've had long discussions with friends that like when we walked out of theater that uh, they saw they took the instance where he walks up and on the bridge and sees the giant pink uh, anime ish looking joy uh, that she was basic she's it was fake the entire time it didn't mean anything but I always mm-hmm. took it as it it means as much as you want it to mean so that's that's why I find it so powerful because it meant she meant something to him in the end so. That and he and her in particular, not the new one that he's looking at in front of him. I took I took him getting angry as him reminding remembering that his joy was taken from him when love killed her. Yeah. So absolutely. Like yeah, I just I really like that relationship personally. I yeah. yeah. And it echoes his own arc. Like she yeah. is as mass produced as he is. They're both they're both products. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's hard to put in words without it's because it's, it's maybe so visual, but uh, she, the whole I believe I believe her the whole time, and I know that she's designed that Same. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and I, I I I truly believe everything she says she means because I, and because uh, AI has its, you know its own intelligence too. So, but I don't know, Jason, how do you feel about that relationship? Yeah, see, that's the thing. Um, I I I really enjoyed how how joy came across with that. And just that reminder that she isn't real. And the joy that you have is your joy. I mean, it kind of reminds me, forgive me for like, you know, going back this far into like, you know, maybe, maybe all of our paths or our pasts, but like, you know, that stuffed animal you had there, you could see 600 of them on the shelf, but the one you have is yours. It's, and that's what, you know, it's a weird, like sort of like, I don't want to say it's like a statement on consumerism to a point either, but you know, the thing that you have is yours and it's special from every other one of them that is out there because it is yours. And just, um, Kay's, Kay's emotion is real for it. Whether or not Joy's actually is, he does feel like it is. And that's sort of the thing I like about that too, is where, um, Joy's, you know, her programming is completely believable in this, you know, 
work of fiction. So it's like a double layer of fakeness that, and you still kind of come across, or it still comes across as like, you know, real, which I, I think is a hard thing to pull off a lot of the times. Um, you get, oh God, I'm trying to think. What was uh, what was the AI's name in um, in uh, Mass Effect? God. Oh, uh, Evie? Evie, yeah. Evie, okay. I, I thought it was Evie, but I was like, man, that can't be, I'm, I, I kind of got Pokemon on the brain, so I was like, that can't be right, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> But Edie. yeah, like Edie. you know, like, Edie. Oh yeah, Edie. Edie. Oh okay. Edie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's right. He's right. Edie. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, like like Edie didn't. I don't know. Like it. There was a layer there that just never let Edie feel real. Like as as an AI, I suppose. Like it was. She always felt like she was supposed to be a character and not an AI, pretending to be a character to somebody. And that's where. I think Joy's like strongest suit is is this Joy Kay's Joy was very real to Kay. Um, it doesn't matter that you know Joy is mass produced and will react this way if you start emotionally attaching to or kind of pushing Joy in that way. She'll react to that and adjust her programming, however you want to word it, accordingly to you. And that's I guess it for me that that was a big deal for Joy. I, I really really kind of dug how they handled her. So personally, I don't I don't take it that Joy is just like really well programmed because they're both essentially products of the same corporation. Mm -hmm. um, but she encourages him to transgress against that corporation. Um, so if she was if she was purely behaving based on her um, programming, uh, you know, that wouldn't that, that wouldn't be possible. Um, she's she's constantly sort of pushing him to transcend his limits. And interestingly, it feels like she's transcending her own limits before he is. Um, and yeah, so that to me, that that's, that's what makes it feel real. Yeah. And again, she's also one of the coolest visual things in the entire, in the entire movie. It's like, so really, cool. really, there's a lot of clever uses of, uh, of her in the entire throughout. And it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of like what this movie does well too, is expanding like that, the Blade Runner technology, because, uh, it feels like cyber, cyberpunk technology in, movie, in movies and shows is always kind of similar. And I felt like this movie had a lot of interesting ideas that, that yeah. and, and it expanded upon them really well. And she, I think, is my, the prime example in my mind of all, of all that cool stuff. Like that, I mean, that sex scene is it's a hell of a scene. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's horrible. Like it reminded me of the um, I was like. I was thinking while I was watching it that it's a contender with uh, the movie Shame for um, most depressing three-way in a uh, Hollywood film. Because um, it's it's horrible. Like, it's you understand what she's trying to do, but it's awful. Um, and I think that's great that it's so yeah. awful because it's like, it's fucking complicated, you know? Yeah, and it's and sad and it's poignant and ah, it's brilliant. Yeah, so, and I appreciate, I appreciate how Kay didn't even want to do it at first. He's like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah, it's like just, that... Like it's oh, just it's that, just that those subtle little things like him, like him. Yeah, it's it's a powerful scene, yeah. uh, and very sad. Like a lot of things, this movie are. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way about that scene. I just my my like I think I was expecting it to sync up at some point, and I'm just so happy they just never. Yeah. Like, you know, completely synced up. I I, I yeah, think that was a very strong choice. Definitely. Do, so. Yeah, because it always reminded you that there was <laughs> that there was an AI right there with them. It's mm -hmm. like, and that they're different people, or because her hands are moving differently than uh, the other girl's hands are, and so, yeah, it's. 
Um, okay. What, what, what next? Um, so evaluating this, um, you can evaluate this a bit more as an action movie than the previous one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think Definitely. it holds up really well. I think it's a great action movie, um, you know, within the, uh, within those boundaries. Like it's, it's actually really, it works really well. All the actions of it is really thrilling. It's yeah, it's a really quick burst of, in, of violent action in this movie. Like it's not, uh-huh. not, none of it lasts very long, but it's all very effective because and oh man you want to talk about something i missed uh effective wise the first time was uh just how badly love killed coco holy god oh yeah she like his his upper jaw is like displaced Uh like it's kind of yeah Yeah. it's yeah and she comes up behind him like like they do a good job of highlighting the movie just how strong and reactive the replicants are and just how and just how more effective they are than we are <laughs> and yeah because uh, i mean love hits him in the back of the head once like basically sends his, his upper jaw almost through his mouth yeah and Ooh. uh yeah Ooh. uh wow. k murders multiple people within like seconds uh just because he's with a with, with a handgun <laughs> he also yeah. snaps that guy's spine over his uh fucking leg yeah. uh, he runs through a wall yeah like that's that that opening scene with Batista, Dave Batista, mm-hmm. a oh, form, for, former wrestler, uh, now actor, who's actually been quite successful so far in acting. I like him as an actor. I yeah. think he's got charisma. Yeah. He's got watchability. Yeah. I think he's really good, actually. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I did not expect him to be as as good at it as he is. But in this, like that opening scene, it's very effective. Like it's, yeah. uh, especially just the way it's shot and lighting, just like as he walks into the house and Kay's sitting off to the side with his, in the, in the shadows and yeah. with the, uh, suit bubbling in the background, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and of course the slow build towards, you know, something, you know, something's about to, about to pop off. And when he starts beating him through the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, let me just kind of compliment that. They did a perfect job of giving that just enough time to like, give you a sense of like how thick and sturdy that wall is and how hard yeah. it's being hit without dragging it into the ground. Like I think two more hits and that would have been like, okay, I get it. Um, any less, it would have been like, eh, okay, that didn't impact, you know, uh, for want of a better yeah. word there, as yeah, much it, as it should have. They, they they chose the amount of hits there perfectly, and I think it speaks a lot to how good of an action movie this is, too. Like, I mean, this is something that, uh, when my son's a little older, uh, you know, I, I could just sit down and watch with him, and he, you know, same thing with Blade Runner and, like, the different stages, or the original Blade Runner and the different stages of my life, I can appreciate it for different things, basically, and I think yeah. this will be something that uh, Thomas will get uh, different things out of as he gets older. Also, at that point, you don't necessarily know Kay is a replicant. I don't think they've said they said anything about that yet. So he immediately gets beaten through a wall. I mean, you've got you obviously got idea of going into yeah. it, but they don't say anything about him being a replicant until afterwards. So that's like I think <laughs> my dad saw it too because I talked to him into go see, going into seeing it, uh, and he was like he was. He was in the disbelief state when uh, he was getting beaten through a wall because he didn't know he's a, he didn't know he's a replicant. So he was yeah, like, "Oh, okay, cool. whatever." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so he had that. He had that moment in the movie. But yeah, and also the scene highlights just how hard hard it is to tell replicants apart. It's literally just the serial number under an eye. It's the only way you can tell. <laughs> the only way you can officially decide whether someone's a replicant or not. Yeah. Just how how similar to human beings they are, which is a bit another big theme. That's why they at least the Nexus Eights the um, 
Ryan Gosling model, the K model, whatever their model uh, called, are less are a little more um, are a little easier to tell apparently, because I think they lack emotion in compared to other humans, compared to humans. Uh, yeah, there's all that baseline stuff. Yeah, the baseline stuff. So um, I loved I loved the way I don't know about you guys if if you had this feeling or not, but um, the fight with um, with Dave Batista kind of reminded me a little bit of the fight with uh, Leon in the original Blade Runner. Okay. Um, yeah. Leon is like the one who's not super smart, but he's really big and strong. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a, it was an interesting kind of contrast because Leon obviously just picked up Deckard and threw him around and Deckard had no chance. Whereas with this, it's like Ryan Gosling is like a fit, normal sized human versus a giant in the form of Dave Batista. And it was kind of chilling actually. Um, cause at this point, we don't feel like Ryan Gosling is particularly the good guy. He doesn't seem particularly heroic. Um, it's quite chilling watching him kill this this giant man. Um, it's scary and it's kind of it's spooky. Yeah, yeah, because he's like punching him in the. He's like David. He says he's having trouble breathing too. Like he's punching him in the yeah. throat. It's like it's a brutal it's scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he pops two in him at the end when he tries to walk towards him because because uh, yeah. he's not he's not take, he's not going in. He's like you're gonna kill me. So yeah, it's. In ter- it's and that's yeah. it's a it's a hell, it's a effective way to to open that movie. I did not expect it to open that way, uh, which I guess I should have because the first one opens in a similar sort of violent way. But uh, I, I just I, I I love how it just feels really tragic. I also think you know the way he like puts his gun down on the table. Yeah. Um. A okay. There's some chance that it might diffuse the situation, but also I think it speaks to something really horrible. Of he just knows that he's a much stronger model, and he doesn't need the gun. Um, and all of the apparent advantage, the size advantage that, um, Dave Batista's character has, it doesn't really mean anything cause he's just a Nexus eight. Whereas K is one of the new Wallace models and he's, he's tougher and stronger. He doesn't need the gun. That's awful. In a great wanna, way. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Neander Wallace? Speaking of Wallace. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I used, yeah. 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 I used to, I used to like Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, good, then, good. We're on the same page. It's a really, okay. good, it's a really good start to this conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I did. Too. And then, and I was like, uh, you know, over time, I was like, oh, you know, sometimes okay. whatever. I like and then performances. I don't know if I ever liked Jared Leto, but yes. Yeah. Look, know. I, you know, I've never been in an elevator with him. I'm just talking about his performances. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I think we can. I um, think we can say when we like somebody in the, in the, you know, in this context, we can just assume. Yeah. It's like the characters <laughs> he played. Sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry. But uh, but like the Joker. Um, I feel like that's like one of the worst. That's one of the worst paid <laughs> acting jobs I've ever seen. Wow, you know, um, Suicide, was, Suicide Squad's a bad fucking movie. I, 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 look, I could not is, bring myself it, to ever watch that. So. It could have been. It could have been fun. It had things going oh, for it. Yeah, it had it certain aspects going for it. It was um, it's bad. It's just bad. It's not. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it, it doesn't really work. But my my point anyway is. I actually hated his performance in Suicide Squad so much that I sort of retroactively demoted him as an actor in my mind. And then I was like dreading having to watch him in this. And uh, if I can pay him the greatest possible compliment I can spare him, he was fine. <laughs> he, he chews up scenery in this movie. Oh, man. He yeah, is, he's like... Yeah. He's, yeah, and uh, I, I, don't mean, I, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way either. He's... He... Yeah. He is an interesting character. Like, he has the m- most blatant god complex 
I see in a while in a movie. Like it's literally like he literally. It's not even a compliment. Yeah, Yeah, it's literally think he's God. So it's so yeah, yeah. That would be like saying Napoleon had a Napoleonic complex. It's like no. And it's like it's like he and he talks only in scripture. I feel like (laughs) basically his own scripture, his own version of scripture. So that's true. He does behave like an Old Testament, like he's like Yahweh basically. Um, Yeah, I thought his voice was really good actually. Um, I thought his voice sounded great. Um, his voice had a lot of gravitas and that was kind of cool. Yeah, he did. It had like, it, it was like non-emotive and emotive. It was, a, it was an interesting choice voice wise. And his like, we, the way he would uh, increase his inflection on stuff was interesting too. Uh, I think I like his character, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated. You get, his scenes are, it's literally just, it's him in all the scenes talking most of the time. So any scene he's in, it's literally he's only the one talking. He's the only one talking most of the time. Um, Which also kind of for, inflects on his character, where he 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 will he will speak and not be spoken to. Yeah, yes, he's yes. not a listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is above everyone in his own mind, naturally. So uh, he refers to replicants as his angels, his children, uh, or yet he does not see them as anything more than slaves. Uh, he his goal is to because uh, he's like they have reached nine planets, but he can count nine on you can count nine on a the child fingers. can count nine yeah. on, on their on their fingers. Yeah. 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 He he wants to expand across the stars and he needs uh, slave labor to do it in his mind. Which yeah, what was that? What, what was the uh, the wording? I think uh, humanity lost its t- taste for slave labor. Yeah. Lost its stomach for stomach. it. Yeah, it's there we st- go. stomach. Specifically, displayed. stomach. Maybe. Yeah, because the idea stomach. is that it's weakness, yeah. not not taste. It's weakness that made people stop. Um, yeah, yeah, enslaving each other. Yeah, um, and he. Yeah, there's a character like, flaw. I'm glad we've largely grown out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. My my stomach for that is long gone, <laughs> yeah. or never there really. So, uh, and he he's kind of like his goals kind of create the the crux of the plot, I guess, in a way, or at least the, the bare bones of the plot, uh, that he, there is a replicant child out there, Deckard's, uh, and Rachel's child. And he wants that so he can figure out how to, cause, it, cause Tyrell figured out reproduction in replicants. And he wants that because he cannot, he can only make so many, uh, if they could, if they could make each other, it would go faster. And it also highlights their differing goals. Like, uh, Ty- Tyrell, he wanted them. His like what what led to his downfall was how because he kept making them more and more human, which was mm-hmm. his, his end goal. Wallace does not want. Wallace wants just wants um, slave labor. So it's it's kind of like the, the differing philosophies of the two corporations. Um, and yeah, and I make. I mean, Wallace is he's he's not dead. So his seems to be I guess working out better than Tyrell's did, and. I don't know which one's darker is like making them more human darker or not, or the other way darker <laughs> because yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't know because he's like, um, Tyrell gives them sort of the ability to understand how awful their situation is. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and, and gives them like a four year lifespan. Um, and then Wallace, like, I think sort of unintentionally gives them the same facilities, but he doesn't intend to. Um, but he gives them the chance basically to live for, as far as we know, uh, an open-ended amount of time in slavery, which is 
like an unending nightmare, which is like hell, basically. Yeah. 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 Is it going to be better to realize that your lifespan is short and you kind of just sort of have to grasp it? It doesn't really matter what your life is because it's going to end very shortly. Or is it okay that you have some sort of, you know, a a bit less of, um, I suppose, consciousness about things, but you're sort of got enough of it to realize you're sort of in your role for as long as you're functioning. It's like, yeah. which, which is, which is the worst the hell to sift through. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a interesting question. It's a fucked up question. Yeah. So it's just, it's yeah. like, it's I don't like, think it's a question I that really has got a, got, got an answer. And that's no, it kind does. of something no, no. I really like yeah. about no, that, this movie. That, is, no, that's what, that's kind of like so much uh, like every, doesn't get answered. Every question in the movie is le- is like uh, left up to your own interpretation, which is what I love, which is what I want in movies. I don't I don't want to be told uh, the answer to anything. It's like leave it up to the audience to make their own decision based on it, and I think that leads to more interesting conversations afterwards, like this, <laughs> because mm-hmm. and it's also not you're not telling someone the right and wrong. You're just kind of giving them a situation <laughs> and saying, "What do you think?" So it's. It's complex. That's what it is. It's complexity, and I love I love that. So, uh, and then uh, Neander's right hand woman, Love, is the the muscle of this in this movie. Essentially, uh, she she I I like her character a lot. I like the, what they do with her character. The uh, she her from her humble introduction is doing a deal with a uh, lady over a uh, over selling replicants to her getting her nails tattooed or whatever they were doing to her nails while she's uh, shooting satellites down to, <laughs> yeah. to, to protect Kay, who's getting attacked by the uh, people out the, the residents of San Diego. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, uh, Fucking San Diego, man. Fuck yeah. San Diego. They deserved it. <laughs> and like, I've seen the numbers. We don't have any listeners in San Diego, so right on. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, San Diego. <laughs> She's like, I know she murders all the guys, and then he looks at me and goes, "Do your fucking job. Find the child." Uh, she's uh, she's great, and she also her her bursts of emotion are fantastic too. Like her and Robin Wright's character, the uh, the madam of the police station, their interaction is very good in my it, and the her her slowly uh just getting more and more angry and like crushing her hand robin's hand and i forget what robin's character's actual name is the madam uh, joshi yeah that sounds right yeah 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 yeah. he just calls her ma'am or madam right yeah madam madam yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and (laughs) just going i'm gonna tell him you shot you tried to shoot me and then stabbing her and then using your face and then letting it drop on the desk is a really <laughs> yeah, it's so it's a, casual. It's a really good gag that they that they yeah. I think they give just enough time to without yeah. feeling like feeling like a like a like it's out of place. Like it's uh Yeah, she's she's great. She's uh I don't know what you guys think. I love I loved her uh, whole thing she's got going on. Definitely. And that wasn't a pun. That so wasn't gleeful. a pun. That was not a pun. Uh anyway, yes, keep yeah. going. Yeah, she's so gleeful. Like, um, I really enjoy like a gleeful villain. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. I also love the first time you see her with, uh, Wallace. She seems terrified of him. Yeah. She like, 
every just him speaking terrifies her. Like yeah. he's he's not really doing anything to her. He's just talking, and she is terrified. Yeah, even though she has the ability to you know break him fifteen hundred ways from tomorrow, you know it's like yeah, yeah, he, and uh, doesn't blink or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and like those the and one of the shorts actually explains that that we that they put out the webisodes that they put out uh, and how how um, in control Nander is of these replicants. Ugh, yeah, like he imagine. he uh, like he he commands one to, as a demonstration. Um, he says, um, uh, kill me or kill yourself. You, you decide. And he uh, then kills itself instead of killing. Uh, yeah. So they are very, very subjugated, uh, especially to him, to God, essentially. Yeah. 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 So yeah, she's, I, I, I also love a good, a, a villain that you want to get, see, get their comeuppance. Like she is, yeah. She like her when she kills Joy, uh, and you're just like, oh, he's gonna fucking kill you, and uh, lo and behold, you fucking drowns her in a really cool scene, in a really cool action scene, also at the end of the movie. Yeah, the fight uh, is crazy. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, just the whole like the the dam, the water the, all over the place, the rain, uh, the fact that they're the fact that they're trying not to drown while they're fighting. <laughs> so, and, uh. Yeah, and the soundtrack's great too. Yeah, good stuff. What do you think, Jason? You like love? Um, yeah, I I don't think I I don't think I was. Let's just get over this whole. Um, you know, this isn't a pun thing. If we if we say love and love yeah. in the same thing, yeah, yeah. I did, I'm not as in love with love as you guys are, but I did enjoy her quite a bit. Um, she like I said, she bounced off me a little bit more than I, I than you guys did clearly, but I I still enjoyed what she was and like like you said, I I don't think I caught the first time I watched this. Um that scene where she's absolutely terrified of him and just like, you know, just like I said, maybe it was just something I caught in a little bit more of a subtle situation where I could kind of like put it together a little bit more slowly and at my own pace, um, largely because, you know, I've got every you know three minutes, a kid asking me to stop the movie so they can get, <laughs> yeah. I can get them something. And I have to pause it. And then I sit down and like, Oh, that facial expression. I didn't recognize the first time. So, but yeah, I, I said, I, I, I really dug what she was and just how calloused I think she is about everything outside of her fear of her master. I suppose we'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, her, uh, her, yes. Yes. Mr. Wallace himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she just reminds yeah. me of a seasoned veteran who like, you know, you just give them the job to do and they just do it. It's like, this is going to happen. It doesn't really matter what you throw at me. It's going to happen. So that's just kind of where yeah. I got ended up with her. And I, I guess I dig that. It just wasn't as it didn't it didn't mean as much to me, I suppose. Yeah, I I guess I just like having a clear cut, you know, villain in the movie. It, even like Neander's obviously the big the big villain, but he's not going to um, leave his castle, <laughs> his fake yeah. factory. So. Um, uh, I do want to talk about my favorite sequence in the movie. Uh, just the whole Las Vegas sequence is my favorite from beginning to end. I'd say. Uh, I don't know if you guys have different ones you want to talk about, but uh, I love everything about it. I love the I love the the set design. I love the the constant bright orange throughout it, mm-hmm. and from the radiation. Um, I love his slow walk. Through, through Vegas as he when he finds the uh, signs of life in there and he finds like the beehive and uh, the, yeah that and 
just like it's just a slow walk. There's not a lot of music playing. Like there's occasional bursts of bass as he comes across things, but mostly it's just Kay walking around looking, and it's very lingering, which is something I really love about this movie. Is the way it lingers on long shots, just to give the to give the viewer t- time to take everything in and think about everything. Mm-hmm. Some people some people are not going to like that naturally. It's it's going to feel too slow, and I I don't I don't think it's a the wrong opinion i just think it's up to taste at that point but i and then the uh, i wish they had not revealed Deckard was in the movie beforehand uh that would have made that moment better it's still good him slowly coming out of the shadows um quoting some scripture and then their and then their fight through the uh the uh the club i forget uh i forget what they're actually called now um, with all the different holograms bursting up back and forth constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I, that fight scene is oh, it's my everything. Fantastic. It's so it's it's, it's just the burst of music and light and them just this old Deckard trying to fight K <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, and that's like, uh, yeah. God, that's that is really great. Like just that whole thing yeah. of like not really trying to make Deckard like a badass by getting him a stunt double or whatever, just showing that like, no, he's kind of a feeble old man at this point and he doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. And Kay's like, I yeah. don't want to hurt you, but you're making this really fucking hard, man. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I don't, don't think he's feeble though. Those, yeah. like those punches look pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like, just, but he, he's compa- punching he, K unfortunately. I, I suppose comparatively feeble, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. granted I'm, 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 you know, 35 and in relatively good shape. And I, I think uh, I, I don't think there would be a uh, very long fight there. That would be a pretty much one and done. I, I would turn okay. into Coco there with love. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and eventually he just gets tired enough. It's like, uh, can we just? Go? He's like, you want to get a drink? <laughs> He's just so tired. He's, <laughs> He's just like, like, okay, yeah, I try. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> and I think yeah. this is the, like one instance where I think uh, Harrison Ford's acting, I guess, really kind of. Uh, like not not his acting in this movie, but just his acting in general sort of like came came across pretty well where, you know, he kind of comes across as like old and crotchety these days. And I think that really did well in this movie. Yeah, I, I like old crotchety Deckard more than I liked young Deckard and Blade Runner. Like I, I enjoy Harrison Ford in the movie quite a bit. And yeah, it all works for me. It's basically just Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford. But I mean, like we talked about earlier, that's totally fine with me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're, their discussion at the bar is really good. Like their, their, their whole interaction there is wonderful. Excellent. The it's so loaded. Yeah. Oh, there's, man. there's so much tension because it's so much tension there, especially if yeah. you have not seen the movie before, uh, because it's, at this point you're like, K is his son and he doesn't know that. And he's K's trying to figure out the right way to say this to him. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Like, yeah. Like, just like the way he like stares at him for long periods of time, just trying to figure out what to say is like, I, and he's like, what? Well, and his first question was like, what, what was she like? You know, like what was my mom like is what his first question is what, what he's essentially asking. Uh, or what was her name? What was her name? Sorry. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just hard because even even when you know, like after seeing it the first time, you know what happens. It makes it's still just as hard because you're like, he doesn't know still. <laughs> he does like he's he's like he he's thought he's, he thought he thinks he, thought he he's has figured met, it out. And, yeah, you know, and he hasn't. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, it, like the tension turns to tragic irony, right? Like in yeah. you know, the first time you see it, it's tension. And then the second time, you know something really awful and really sad that Kay doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And that that's tragic irony. That's really powerful. Yeah. yeah it And uh, he goes, he does that. Here's the strangers thing. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's very so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I if, if I could jump ahead of you on this one, Connor, because um, mine's mine's really quick. Um, it's not really a scene so much as a thing in the movie. And it is the uh, the baseline test. They uh, yes, they do a, a wonderful job, I think, of giving you just enough information as to like what is going on here without actually like laying it out there and telling you what is going on. Because, you know, having watched that, there are those scenes, how many, how many total are there in the movie too? Right. Baseline scenes. Yeah. yeah. There's two. So that's like, you know, so having watched those like four times, I, all, you know, all total, it's like, I still am not a hundred percent sure is like what exactly they're looking for when they're doing this. And I love that they left it ambiguous enough that it's yeah, just like, it's, they don't need, they don't, they feel confident enough in what they do that this is, this is a cool bit of world building, but we don't need to explain it. You will, you'll just enjoy what is there. And it's a moment that you will be able to kind of take further down and just leave in your, in your mind as, as, as something just not important, but you know, adds, adds to what's going on in the movie in general. Yeah, and I love that the first time they do it, like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because they're just, like, rapid-fire yeah. questioning him, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? And it's, he's just repeating what he's saying sometimes, like, word for word, or or not. And then, but, like, Ryan Gosling, in the second scene, like, just from the way he, he reacts to certain questions, you can tell he's, you can tell he's, you can tell something wrong with him, mm-hmm. like, just by that. And it's, like, even without knowing that, like, he reacts differently in the second, um, uh, baseline test and he does the first one and that's all you really need to know you don't even need to know what exactly is the is the key is it just that he is hesitating for repeating is it um is, is it something in his eyes is it, what is it but um like it's simply just shots of ryan gosling's face and his slight different delivery of lines is all you yeah. need to to quite to understand that he is not on whatever they consider baseline yeah exactly so, so how about you connor favorite like what's your favorite thing in this movie um you know, one really small thing that I thought was pretty amazing and um, kind of cool was when he's just killed Dave Batista and he comes to the police station to make his report. Um, he's walking down the corridor and a uniformed officer says something like, fuck you, skin job or fuck yep. off skin job. Yeah. While yeah. they're while they're passing each other in the corridor. And not only does he not react, but he then sort of he casts his eyes downward. Yes. And, and he walks kind of so slightly. Yeah. yeah. And then he continues that as he walks down the corridor and he's like hiding his eyes as if he's like not allowed to meet their gaze. And that's so fucking brilliant. And it's so shocking and it's so horrible. Um, and it's a great punch in the gut. And at that point, you don't know much about Kay, but yeah. you know, you, you know everything, really. Uh, it's yeah. brilliant. So yeah, I do, that's I do, I do, my favorite thing. Yeah, it's I really love that thing. I think the second thing they do, like the fuck off skin, skin job on his door or Skinner, whatever they say is, yeah, the, it's too, on too on the nose for me personally. I don't, yeah. but yeah, but, uh, it, it feels, yeah. it feels I mean, thematically it, correct with this world. Yeah. Like they would definitely, that would definitely happen. I don't know. I just, again, I was like, okay. I, I dig what you're saying, but I also think it makes us, it, it doesn't just repeat the point from the police station. It makes a new point. 
because the the people in the police station, right? They're they're cops. They're in a position of power or whatever. But that apartment building that he lives in is off, obviously just some shitty place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people that live there are not at the top of society, but they're humans, and that means they are way above him. And even though right to his face they could write that on his door, he wouldn't be able to retaliate. Even though he has all this power, he's powerless. So I think it, it makes a new... Acknowledge it. Like it's, yeah. it's, he doesn't have any... It's like that just... Like he's not he's not designed to acknowledge it basically mm-hmm. like it's just it's just kind of how it is so yeah. I, I do agree with that I just I, I think it just writing on doors and stuff has been has done a lot of things I don't know it's um, no tragically it's just what what it's what people do though yeah like yeah mm-hmm. it's what people like here in this day and age right now all the fucking time that's what people do it's horrible but it's it's one of the most it's one of the simplest and truest things about prejudice people write shit on your door yeah. It's the easiest way to convey your point in real life and kind of does that very well in this movie too. I think it, yeah. like you said, Connor, it, it, it says exactly what you were saying and just without actually having to, like I said, you know, ram it down your throat. And that's, I think thematically just something in this movie where I, I it just does it so marvelously well. It's not, I don't want to say so much better than the original Blade Runner, but does it very well. Um, I just like, like I said, just the subtleness, even though this one does seem to come at you a little bit harder than the first one, just how, it brings like its message to the forefront, like very subtly and never jams it down your throat. I just, I adore that. Yeah. I mean like the replicants are figures of fear and wonder in Mm -hmm. Blade Runner. Um, and replicants are figures of contempt in, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Because Uh, I think that's an interesting contrast. Yeah. Cause they're, they're slaves now instead of, instead of other people. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just, you know, further highlighting the themes, the diff- a difference in themes between the two movies. Um, okay, I think, unless we, it's a, a few other things you want to talk about, I think it's time to talk about Kay's arc. Is, is Kay, w- what happens to Kay in this movie? Yeah, with, yeah, uh, we should, yeah, we should do yeah. that and uh, use this as kind of a wrap-up point since this is sort of yeah. Kay's movie, yeah. so. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. It's, it's, it's kind of what this whole movie's built around. We've kind of talked around it uh, here and there. But, uh, so... When Kay goes back to investigate, you know, and he finds out that the the date on the tree is similar to a date from a memory, a thing in his memory, uh, it's it starts him down the rabbit hole of is he the, repl- the replicant child that they're looking for, and it every the the movie I uh, is very good at piecing that putting the pieces out there for you, but also basically telling you he's not if you just paid attention a little closer to what to what um characters say to him at times um especially in the scene when he goes to meet dr stellan the memory creator this really happened (laughs) yeah yeah Not like this is real or this is this is your memory or this happened to you yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's awful it's really sad Uh, yeah two two different words adding to the end of that sentence would have changed the entire meaning of that if she had said you know Mm -hmm. this really happened to you that would have changed that entirely but just the you know leaving that out just is like okay well yeah yeah and it's like the first time you see that thing also the the memory stuff is super cool like what they do with that oh my god that little tool she has uh, that's great it's like the little thing she did with the bug at the beginning too yeah it's gorgeous yeah yeah, it's yeah um and she's great uh as she is and she's very like a 
a very sad character just trying to hold it all all together the entire time she's she's on the scene. Like there is so uh-huh. much sadness behind everything she's saying, because like she describes that her parent like what happened with her parents is that they gave her everything except for being around, basically. <laughs> so yeah, like cause, everything because everything you can want but them. Yeah, and or the fact that uh, you got everything except you know except for crowds. I was. Uh, I, I was so used to being around crowds, and then that's the last thing that she says before they move into the next thing. And it's such a sad thing; like there are no people there. It's just her, and it's just so, yeah, bleak. Yeah, it's and she's she's there making people try for giving memories to things, you know, to make them to make them happier or more or more human is what they are for the replicants. So because uh, memories uh, define us and create and help form us and help keep us uh, level. But and he she show Kay shows has her look at the memory and uh, he, his strongest memory and him having that uh, wooden horse with the date on it and being attacked by kids and whatnot uh, that he later finds at the same or he later finds the orphanage which is a shithole goddamn yeah, that's, but uh, you know, it's very uh, Dickens esque yeah. on that one yeah yes yes yeah. very Dickens esque. Uh, and and like like you guys said, she she looks at it and she starts she re- she immediately recognizes it and then it's like she starts crying a little bit and she's like yes this really happened because uh, she doesn't know what why he's asking about it I guess I, I would assume she doesn't know she doesn't really know why he's asking about that memory um, and, I don't know yeah, yeah that's I, that's yeah. definitely a question I think is left yeah. open yeah I guess uh, may, she might have an idea of it afterward ap- after uh seeing it but uh but in the but what really makes that scene like her reaction is great but k to this point there was a scene early oh when he finds the horse in the orphanage they're like they linger on his hands holding the horse too when he's trying to when he's looking at it to find the date and his hands are like shaking very subtly which i love like they just like they don't show his face they just show his hands shaking a little bit just to show what's going like what's going through his mind is he's like like turning this thing over and they linger on his face for a long shot there and he almost breaks but not quite but this is the moment when she goes this actually happened and he just he just screams god damn it and kicks the chair over and <laughs> leaves it's just like it's so powerful because he hadn't emote he hadn't really emoted up at that point at all like he kept it all in like he's supposed to and that just broke he's <laughs> like he's he can't do it anymore uh, all the fact that he has, he thinks he has parents. He thinks he, uh, he uh, also a line early in the movie, like to be born is to have a soul is what he believes. So yeah. he thinks like he, uh, and even though Robin Wright's character tries to console him in that, in, in her own no, way. She doesn't. She, yeah. I don't think she's yeah. even trying to console him. I think she's just saying like, um, forget that. That's, you don't deserve that kind of level of autonomy. She's like, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, know. to me, it, it came across like she was just like, like it would be like the printer, you know, telling you like, you know, have a good day. It's like, you don't really mean that you're just, you know, whatever. I don't know. She said yeah. you're doing fine with that one. I don't know. She's like, she's, she's, like the way, the way she delivered it, it seemed very like brushing it off to me. Uh, for me, I, for me, it sounded like she was saying, you don't have a soul. Shut the fuck up about a soul and do your fucking job, yeah. which you've been doing fine at up to now. No, but you might dismissed. not continue she, she to. She had she had dismissed him already, and then she said that line. Like she, yeah, like yeah. She, she said she said that after the fact. To me, that came off. It's interesting. Crying. 
I think it's cool that we can have different interpretations of it. Actually, I think that's a good example of where like maybe it is left a bit open. Then, yeah, because I do think she, I do think she cares about Kay in her own way. I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I think she thinks of him as a tool. Like, hey, that's a good printer. Mm -hmm. She tries to protect. She tries to protect him multiple times. Like she dies because she she doesn't want to tell him tell tell her where where he is. Yeah. So, and she like she gives him the forty eight hours. Like you know. So she's also using him as a tool, of course, to kill yeah. this child. So there's, a, there's that, too. So there's there are layers to it. But I do think in her own way, she does care about care about Kay to an extent. So as as much as a boss could care about an employee. So, <laughs> so, so. Uh, I, I, I I totally see where you guys are coming from. I just interpreted that line the way it was delivered and the timing of the delivery as her trying in a in a way to make him feel a little better. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. so yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, after uh, Decker gets taken by love when they come in and she kills uh, Joy, and also the scene is a really subtle way to show that Decker's a replicant. I believe this whole thing, like you know, other than the fact he lives in Vegas. Uh, is like when the humans come in, they have masks on to, to breathe in the radiation, and he never he never has a mask on. Now that mm. is K or Love. Yeah. So, I think that's they never again they never straight out say he's a replicant. I believe I think they there's also a line where Love says we're going back to see our uh, to see our father uh, when they're going back when she in the car like when they're uh, at the end when they're gonna he says when she thinks she kills K. Uh, well, a couple of things. One, he wouldn't be Deckard's father, because um, Terrell made Deckard if Deckard was made. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but when she, uh, but I, I love this stuff when they're sorry when they're talking. Um, you know, the thing, the the that awful thing that um, uh, Wallace says to Deckard about, you know, were you made to love her? Were you like, were you? Made yeah, to yeah. That whole like what? Um, yeah. And I think that's great because it's like either way, um, that's how it feels in that movie. Like the. Um, may, like, these two characters are weirdly drawn to each other way more than they should be. It um, feels it feels like a weird response and a response in a way to that relationship in the first movie. And, yeah, it is. It, I, yeah. I, yeah, unquestionably, so, I think it is. Yeah. It's you know because people have people have often said, oh, it's like it's problematic or whatever. Um, I I agree. So, yeah, and I think it is a response to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it they do again. They they don't completely answer the question. True. Yes, and I love that. And I love that. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, once K gets taken by the, this underground resistance group that comes out of nowhere in a way, and they've kind of been hinted at throughout, she, like one of them shows up and talks to the sex worker. That's what gets her to talk to K in the first place. Um, and they're like, they, they need K to join them because they are going to rise up, uh, with the help of this replicant child. She is the chosen one, essentially it's, uh, yeah. in, in their, in their eyes, she's the chosen one. And, um, he, when he, when he goes, uh, it, it was a boy and like she, she, like as he sits down, she goes, you imagined it was you is like the, oh my God, that line, Awful. you imagined it was you is just, it hit that line hits so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, because he, he did like, he literally like he, there are definitely moments where he could have thought. Maybe maybe this is not me. Maybe it's just a coincidence at times or something. Or question the of whether that memory was actually his or not. Um, but no, he wanted he that's what he wanted. It's like he so 
for it not to be real like that. Uh, and, and they, they ask him to go kill Deckard so he can't tell them where the child is, even though Deckard doesn't know where she is. Um, and he makes the choice, he, he makes a choice to do what he wants to do and saves Deckard. And, and after a fight with love, again, a very, very awesome scene, uh, very good action scene. Uh, and takes him to see his daughter because he's like he's like I'm, I'm not dealing with resistance groups or corporations anymore. You just have to want to take this guy to this this guy to see his fucking daughter yeah. for the first time ever. <laughs> uh, I'm because he and he I'm assuming he knows he's dying at that point because he is in rough shape. Uh, last thing he does, and then like when he dies on the when he lays on the stairs and looks up at this guy that's literally the last shot of Spike in Cowboy Bebop like frame for frame. Um, so that was extra powerful for me at the end. I was like, Oh man. Uh, I think save for, I think Spike shoots at the sky before he dies. Um, but yeah. And then they, the slow walk from, uh, of Deckard's character and the talk to Dr. Stellan. And she says something, he doesn't say a word, just puts his hand on the glass and then cut and then cut to cut to black. I love cuts to black at the end of movies. I do. <laughs> I, I like when they, I like an emotional moment and then just ending it there for the audience, like leaving them in that emotional state at the, uh, not you, not worrying about having to explain anything. It's just, is if you were connected with these characters, this, this ending is going to affect you. So that's how I, I, I liked everything about it. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, you guys felt about the end. It's I gorgeously shot to me, well, uh, incredibly performed, just perfect in my mind. So but you guys can uh, feel free to poke holes in it if you want to. But uh, <laughs> um, so. yeah, I love his arc. Um, I love the way they played Roy Body's music um, while he's lying in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I personally choose to interpret it that Kay doesn't die. Um, that's just my my personal position. You know what's funny? I was just thinking that, like the, as I remember when I first watched Cowboy Bebop, like early two thousands, um, you know that like that that ending of that, and then going online and like, did Spike actually die at the end? You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's you know enough there that implies that he dies, but there's enough there that there's an implication that maybe he didn't. He could have survived yeah. that. Yeah, he, he he I mean, he couldn't. He could have survived. True. Like they, they could have came out and helped him afterwards. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's one of the, it's another one of the many things like we've been talking about it for this whole conversation. It's another one of those many things where it's sort of a little bit choose your own interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's a good story whether or not he dies. But um, I think it's a better story if he doesn't die personally. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because it's own. too on the nose for me if he dies. But, <laughs> yeah. Kind of goes still... through that hero's journey and then just dies at the end of it. It's like, okay, I don't know if that really yeah. happened. And all the stuff about like, you know, the most, the most human thing you can do is to die for someone else. And I under, like they've, they've kind of laid all that down, but um, Joy has already done that. Um, so I think it's better that he lives, you know, it's, but it's a pity that he won't live. But then again, I mean, I guess we can does. find out in like 30 years when the next sequel is. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my, I don't know, like my thing about this, I I think, and this is probably my favorite bit of this movie is just that, you know, 
the acceptance of you're not the special one, you know, but you can mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. do good in the world. I think yeah, like, as a theme goes, like, I love that. That is my favorite thing about this movie um, is just, you know, you might think that you're going to change the world. And then that slow realization of like, oh, I'm not going to be the one to change the world, but I can do I can still do good. And that's yeah. And that's yeah. the biggest thing I took away from uh, from this movie in general is just oh. that theme. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally I was, agree with that. I was so happy that he did because I took a, like I hated the start like the idea of a chosen one storyline at the end of that with the resistance uh, coming back. I I don't I was not into that. So the direction they did end up going with it, I was like, thank God. But uh, it's because and because essentially K K going yeah fuck that. Um, they're just, it's okay for these people just to go and live happily somewhere else. <laughs> they don't you know. K chooses, yeah, he chooses compassion on a personal yeah. level, yeah, which is a which huge amount I mean, of what this story is about, yeah, which is incredibly human, yeah, so, exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's he's giving, they're basically giving him an order to go kill Deckard, and he makes he he's like he's done with orders, so yeah. like yeah, it's it's oh, beautiful, it's, so it's, a, it's a perfect arc in my yeah, it's it like, is. It's so good. Um, I love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it once so far because I just saw it a couple of days ago. Um, and by the way, um, I, I guess my final point on it was I got burned real bad by The Last Jedi. And um, <laughs> I was concerned. Uh, but then I had heard so many good things about Blade Runner 2049 that I was like, I think I'm probably going to be OK here. But also, I was just so relieved that it didn't in any way shit on the memory of one of my favorite movies. Um it was a real relief that everything about Blade Runner 20, 2049 felt right to me and it felt like a proper Blade Runner movie. And I, I didn't, you know, it didn't take anything away from the sort of the joy of the past. And I think that's an amazing achievement to make a, a sequel nearly 40 years later and, um, and nail it like that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with you at all on that one, Connor. I, I was just astounded as just, like I said, just somebody who really, really went through a, like, three-step thing with the original Blade Runner as far as like emotionally what I felt towards it. And then yeah. this sort of in the, in that same movie or in the same movie brought up all of those feelings, but put into a cohesive package. I just like, wow, this, this nailed it for me. Incredible. Yeah. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. Right on. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I got out of the theater the first night I saw it and I was like, I've had that thought in my mind. Like I can't, you know, like, prison of the moment. I, that's why I had to see it again. I, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, I dare not call this a favorite yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, because I liked it so much in my mind. I was like, there's, I, I, in, in so many ways, it was flawless in my mind. I'm like, they're, they're, they're I'm gonna see it again. I'm gonna have problems with it, and it's, but, um, and I do have, I do. There are scenes I don't like as much in the in a repeat viewings, but I don't hate them by any means. I still like them a lot. It's just yeah. I don't. It's, and I mean, a flaws in a movie make it better in my mind. Some in some in some instances too. And but um, yeah, I think after the second time, I was like, yeah, this is this is going to define my tastes in sci-fi stuff for a very long time. It uh, I I hope it gets aped and stuff. I really do, especially the, its use of color and um, like in a noir setting. But all with with all the uses, the different uses of the color, they they and still keep like that sort of noir feel to it is fantastic. Um, 
it's not quite as noir as the first one I have, of course. Um, no. No. It's, it's, it doesn't have a man narrating over it the entire time. <laughs> and uh, I only, only ever saw the final cut. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. only in a, in one of the releases. I think that it does that. So it's a theatrical release. Yeah. Um, does that? But yeah, yeah. And uh, oh boy, is, Harrison Ford couldn't sound less interested yeah, in it's, doing it's it. It's not. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Final yeah. cut. The final cut's where to go, of course. But, Actually, uh, no, not the. Fi- I guess I've seen the final cut. I've seen the final cut innumerable times, but I guess whatever was the director's cut that was around in the mid nineties was uh, the first thing I saw. Yeah. Um, and then the final cut was if, you know, was a few years later. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I've never actually seen the theatrical cut. Um, uh, I guess uh, because, you know, I didn't feel like that was the real movie to me. Yeah. They usually put, they usually put that one on TV. Um, I want to say, but it's, yeah, the, the voiceover is not good. It makes Decker even less likable for me. I think, <laughs> I, I think that whole thing of like, you know, sometimes you get that thing of like Harrison Ford, like doesn't want to be there that you've gotten like nowadays, like, you know, sometimes he come, pops up in something well, and, and he seems like he doesn't want to be there. He really sells not wanting to be there through uh, through that voiceover thing. Like they called him back in to to read this thing. And he's just like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, legend, you know, the legend about it. Right. The story that uh, that he and he uh, didn't want it. He didn't want it to be used. Yeah. I think I um, so he again. he wanted to yeah he 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 performed it in a way that he thought would make it unusable while still <laughs> fulfilling his contract. Well, yeah, not techni- <laughs> technically like, not wrong. Oh, they used it. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Yeah, that's yeah. It, uh, yeah, the theatrical cuts definitely not the way to go. It's it's an interesting thing to watch um just to see the progression of what the movie was supposed to be and ultimately like what it turned out to be for the initial viewing audience. But I mean, I think there's like four different cuts of this. There's the theatrical, the directors and the final, but there's also like some overseas version of this where they add like some, they like mix certain parts of it together. It's kind of weird. So, but anyway, that's, that's sort of neither here nor there. Yeah, uh, also the theatrical cut doesn't have the unicorn stuff in it. If I remember yeah, right. yeah. 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 That's yeah. a big thing. So, um, Oh, speaking of unicorns, uh, one last thing, shout out to uh, Gaff. I was so excited to see oh. Edward James Almos again. Yeah, yeah, I fucking nice love little, him. Also, nice, nice man, um, yeah, he's so he follows me on Twitter. But I, I followed him first. He followed me back because I think he follows everyone back. Um, yeah. So it's not a great distinction. I'm but, going to Twitter um, right now. It's very exciting to yeah. me whenever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh, my God, Gaff is so amazing in the first movie. And it's such a like such a creation of Edward James almost. He came up with all this crazy stuff for Gaff, like the city speak and all. He researched it. He spent, he spent weeks in libraries. Um, he has like a part of his parentage is Hungarian. Um, so he learned all these, all these like um, Chinese and Japanese and Hungarian words and put them all together to make sentences for Gaff. Uh, what an incredible performance. It was so cool to see Gaff again. I will say this. Um, I was actually going to bring that up before we closed up. I didn't really appreciate that he looks like uh, Colonel Sanders, but um, yeah, you know he's an old, he's an old guy. Yeah, just he looked a <laughs> it was a little too on the nose for me. I was like, what is the, okay? I, okay, I don't know. he did not he did not look like Colonel Sanders. To uh, me. I, I, I think you need to watch had, that again. He, he he just had a bow tie on. I mean, Colonel Sanders. I don't know. This <laughs> is that mustache. Uh, the uh, the white suit. I was just like, oh man, that's a little that's a little I mean, too spot on for me. Especially, uh, with the, uh, especially with now we're, uh, you know, going through that thing of like the advertising campaign of, uh, you know, a bunch of celebrities playing Colonel Sanders. Now it's like, oh, was this was this was this an odd audition tape for it? I, no. He's I, way too cool to be Colonel Sanders. Yeah, no I way. didn't, I, I didn't get that. I didn't. Yeah, not at all. Not, I've seen it three times. Shut it down. Not once. No. no. <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs>
yeah, Sorry, good. as a, as a guy who as a guy who's watching Battlestar Galactica for the first time, like right now, like seeing that is just like, oh, okay. I just like character wise, I like him. Uh, just uh, appearance in this one, I was just like, man, I wish I they went it, in a different I th- direction. I think I think it fits the original appearance. Yeah, uh, yeah. he looks I, like Gaff. Yeah. I just mean the costume. That's that's what I mean appearance wise. I just I mean I just he. I think he just had the same costume without the jacket on. <laughs> but he was wearing maybe. all white. That was my issue with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. That, 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 like I said, that and the mustache and the, uh, it just, that, that, that's where I'm seeing the, uh, the Colonel Sanders thing. So, anyway. well, that, that was the in- institutional side of it though, wasn't it? Cause he's obviously in like a, like what seems like a rest home. Yeah. yeah. They're all dressed in all white. He just wears a bow tie cause he's gaff. Dapper. He's going to give it a little extra. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's what I mean. That just that little bit of, I don't know, but yeah. I guess that and the mustache, it just, it just struck me a little too much after seeing Reba McIntyre as, uh, as, as Colonel Sanders. I was like, Oh no, Oh no, God don't, damn it. don't bring Reba McIntyre into Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I think that wraps up this, uh, this podcast here. We've yeah. been going for about an hour and a half here. So, um, Real quick, you can pl- or you can find. I'll just do the quick plugs here. You can find us on uh, gamesandjunk.net. Uh, we just started a new music podcast, which I literally just posted before we put this up here. Um, uh, John, you want to give us the title on that? Uh, the title of mine and Brittany's music podcast is "Big Treble and Little China." Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> it was Brittany's idea. I can't take credit for that. I put. I said that that's in the podcast. So also, it's really good. Wow. I'm I'm proud of her. You know. <laughs> okay, that's good excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that will be up. That'll be the first, or first episode will be up or is up as as this, as you're listening to this. Um, so hopefully you've already downloaded it and checked it out. Um, I'm gonna. Yep. Life is strange. Uh, before the storm episode three is being worked on, I had some audio issues on my end, of course. So I'm. Uh, <clears throat> well, well, we'll we'll leave the uh, we'll leave the magic behind the curtain there on that one. <laughs> so yeah, just gotta the, leave the magic. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can follow us. On, yeah. you can follow us on, yeah. on on all the social media things. If you go to the site, uh, Vanessa has a. Uh, Lovely little, uh, you know, box set there that you can just click on and, and, and we're all there. Uh, personally, you can follow me at Jason Ariola. You can follow John at John Lucero 777 And Connor, you have got some other stuff that I would like you to plug yourself because you do it so eloquently and you're a professional speaker as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not when I'm in a professional capacity, I'm very slightly less foul mouthed. Um, <laughs> Because I curse all the time when I'm casual, but uh, that is for corporate purposes. Yeah, um, for corporate purposes, I curse a lot less. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have my own voiceover business now. Um, so you can go to ConnorVoice.com if you have something that you want said and you have some money that you don't want. Um, so it needs to be both of those things need to be true, basically, is what I'm saying here. <laughs> um, and otherwise, you can just find me on Twitter um, at Connor Mahood, and I'll probably I'll probably respond if you start trying to talk to me about old movies or something. <laughs> it's all it's all it takes, really. I think ultimately, yeah, uh, easy I, to, I, I think ultimately, I want to I want to yeah. hire you and have you do a Don Pardo for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would be delighted. Oh, I could work on a voice and everything. Oh boy, yeah, that would be great. So maybe 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 it's something we should talk about eventually here because I, I think it's yeah. kind of fun. So anyway, yeah. um, that will wrap up this podcast, and we will talk at you guys next time.